the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 164 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Bryce, you've known me a very long time at this point. Um, you've seen how I am as a Yankee fan. Anyone who really knows me knows how I am as a Yankee fan. You've been to many Yankee games with me. Uh, yesterday was a first for me that in a two-run game in the sixth inning, it was so hot that I was ready to go home. You left early. No, I stayed the whole game. We, we did end up staying. We persevered. But um, I mean, that it, was a cool game. So that was the – you've left games before all night. We, you and I left the Yankees-White Sox game, but that's because it was like thunderstorms. I think we were down away. six. And, I think we were down six and it was raining. Yeah, I think Tim Anderson had a home run to put us away. But Eloy. I get, Eloy. Yesterday was my Ron Burgundy moment. Like, it was so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. It was so damn hot that normally with the bodega slamming IPAs at 11.15 in the morning. And I don't say that to make myself sound cool. That's just what I drink at the bodega. And uh, it was a Michelob Ultra morning. I could not drink the heavy beers. I like Michelob Ultra. Good low-calorie beer. I'm also more of a Coors Light guy now. Is that why you responded to me with, of course? Yeah, I actually have to. Uh, I mean, I know you're wearing a Denver jersey right now, uh, old school Mellow jersey. I actually have to book my Denver flight today. I haven't been. Why are you going to Denver? Time. Going, I think September 22nd to like the 25th. Is there um, a Broncos game that weekend? So there's early rumors that it will be a Friday Rockies game, a Saturday UCLA game, and a Sunday Broncos Niners game, depending on how long I take off from work. There's early rumors. You may have a surprise. You may have a surprise running at the Broncos. That's fine. We'll see. Probably won't be that much of a surprise, but we'll, we'll figure it out from there. Uh, not a super busy baseball week, but the Yankee game did get chippy yesterday. We got some fairly big injury news in New York. Top prospect debuted on uh, all Major League Baseball. Uh, and a favorite of the podcast came back and pitched pretty freaking well. Uh, so we will jump right into it with our BovadaSportsBook.com picks of the week. I just want to go on the record here. I know a few weeks ago we talked about these Peacock games. This doesn't seem right to me that it's 1140. What is it? 1146 on a Sunday morning and that there's a baseball game on right now. It's weird. And I I think it's just dumb. Nobody is going to buy Peacock just for this one weekend afternoon game. And I just don't have Peacock, so it bothers me. Yeah, if you're the one game on, you should be on national TV so everybody can watch your sport. You should yeah. have to be behind a paywall. Well, we know the answer is dollars and cents, unfortunately, because that's how Rob operates. But today, at least, it's uh, you know the St. Louis is in the Central Time Zone, Pittsburgh in the Eastern Time Zone. Last week, the Padres were in the 11:30 game. That's an 8:30 a.m. local time first pitch on a Sunday morning, which again is what it is if you have to do it every once in a while. But that's awful for fans. 
That's not how you get fans to watch games. I mean, it's actually probably more fun to have an event to attend than watch on TV. Well, they wouldn't do an 8.30 a.m. first pitch local at of course. a California just, stadium. I mean, the thing is, it's not like as much as we like baseball. Baseball, early May baseball games, they're not appointment television. No. So this isn't like the London NFL game where it makes some semblance of sense to start drinking at 8.30 to watch your favorite team. I mean, that was me for just about every Giants game over a four-year stretch when I was living in California. It's like, why bother? They're going to make me sad. Well, that's but what I think al- it would be. At the, do the Yanks have one of these games? I'm sure they do. That was uh, what the alcohol was for. Um, all right. So let's do our picks of the week. I'm sure the Yanks do as well. I know we were supposed to be uh, Friday on the Apple game of the week. The Apple game of the week bothers me. The Amazon games bother. It all fucking bothers. The Amazon game bothers me probably uh, the least, only because. I feel like everybody has Amazon at this point because Bezos has taken over the world, but the other two are like firm, firm paywalls. I like watching, I like flipping back and forth between all my sports. That's my problem. So if I have to go, it's a lot of navigate, it's a lot of buttons on the remote. I agree. I agree. Although my who my uh fire stick remote does have the big buttons for Hulu, Netflix, etc. So it makes it simple. But I digress. Let's do our picks of the week. Um I'm looking at the pitching matchups, so I'm going to just do the first like two or three that jump off the page. Uh, let's do let's do Braves and Marlins. Ian Anderson for the Braves, Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins. That game's in Miami. Plus one and a half, minus one two fifteen, plus one hundred two for the Brave, minus one and a half, plus one seventy six, minus one twenty for the Marlins. Um, I'm actually going to go against the grain here, even though I like both pitchers, and take the over of seven. The Marlins haven't scored for Sandy in like three years, and I think they're due. I'm going to take the Marlins. They kind of, they've been all right. Like Solaire isn't a Hall of Fame caliber player, but he is in one of those zones now where he's turning it around. I don't think he's Hall of Fame. Is, that was a reckless – that was an oversight on my end. Uh, Solaire isn't – he's not a face of the franchise type guy. That's just not how he profiles to be. He's I a really guy, though, like when, he, when he gets hot, though, he can carry a team. And he has been performing – much better of late. He started off kind of slow. I'll take all that is that give me the Marlins at home. All right. Second game, we're going to pick two lefties, one young, one crafty. Uh, and I guess the crafty one isn't even that old, but Padres and Mackenzie Gore uh, in Chase Field against the Giants and Alex Wood. That still doesn't make sense to me. That Or no, they're not Chase Field. Oracle Field. That's where I got mixed up. Yeah. Oracle, man. They just own the Bay Area. Minus one and a half, plus 150, minus 142 for the Giants, plus one and a half, minus 182, plus 120 for the Padres. Give me the kid here in Mackenzie Gore, plus 120. Giants, uh, Giants are playing decent ball, but the Padres are hitting. And, and if the season ended today, we said it a few weeks ago, Nolan Arenado has tailed off a bit, and Machado, to me, is overwhelmingly the MVP right now. So give me Machado. Or, right. And feel free to have some fun on the alternate line with that one, taking a pods minus one and a half. And last but certainly not least, the Yanks have a single admission doubleheader. I t- not that I would have been able to go today because of softball, uh, but the single admission doubleheader sucked because if you had tickets to Friday's game like we did, you're shit out of luck today. Like you just you can't get the game you paid for. So what do they do? They you could trade it in for another game, yada yada yada. 
I don't know. I got to email my ticket rep. But all that said, game one, Yankees, White Sox, 306 Eastern time. Tyone and the Yanks, minus one and a half, plus 108, minus 184. And for the White Sox, Johnny Cueto, plus one and a half, minus 130, plus 154. I'm going to take the White Sox plus 154. I think the Yankees win the second game of the doubleheader. Um, but I'm not betting against Cueto Magic right now. I think you take – I think you same game parlay Cueto Magic and Tim Anderson uh, leadoff home run. That's an interesting parlay. Or just two hit a home run at some point because I – if you're feeling real confident, that's the bet. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving to the standings, Yankees, best record in – I'm just double-checking that. Yep, best record in all baseball, 29-10, and 5.5 up on Tampa. Toronto, 7.5 back. Red Sox, 11.5 back. Baltimore, 14 back. We've sort of hit on this division. Um, the one thing I will say, I know a 16-25 and 25 record is not great, but Adley Rushman is up for the Orioles. Uh, and I will say, having watched them play against the Yankees a bunch this year, they're not a year away. They're not two years away. But at least for the first time in a couple of years, it feels like the Orioles have at least a watchable on-field product. I'm going to go off. Um, I think it was Heyman that tweeted this. They gave Rushman number 35 immediately. Bad move. Bad move. I agree. Give him 53 and let him earn the swap. I mean, not even so much that. I just think – I don't know if Moose is a guy whose number they retire in Baltimore, but he had a really good 10-year career there. I think he went in as an Oriole, no? Or did he go no hat? I no think logo. He, I'll double-check. I would mean – I would guess no logo. So, you know, number 35 is a guy that could retire. But, look, that speaks to how they speak – you know, think about Adley Rushman. And the lineup top to bottom, I mean, it's not spectacular, but Mancini, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander, Ryan Malcastle, they got some guys who can bop. So, again, it's going to be a long couple of years for the Orioles, but help is on the way, and there certainly looks like there's been improvements. Uh, Twins in first in the Central, 24 and 16. No logo on the Messina hat. Makes sense. He's a no logo guy, not much of a personality. Uh, White Sox, four and a half back in the Central. Guardians five back, Royals nine and a half back, Tigers ten and a half back. Uh, to me, two of the most disappointing teams in baseball so far in this division. I mean, the White Sox, I'll give them a slight pass um, just because, again, the Eloy injury, the Lance Lynn injury, Giolito's been hurt, this and that. To be honest, every game they played the Yankees, I haven't been terribly impressed, but we'll throw it to the injuries. Um, but the Tigers, man, I mean, we all offseason were raving about the quietly good offseason the Tigers had. They brought up Torkelson on opening day. They did everything right, and they just – they look bad. There's no other way to say it. I know their young pitching has been hurt. Maybe it was too quiet. Yeah, it's just been – it's been very uninspiring. I mean, I, they, they, they don't have – they're probably C across the board. There's no one – they just don't have that star. And Javi Baez isn't a franchise guy. Javi Baez is getting way overpaid up the middle there. And Erod's not a one, so what a – so you don't have a one in the rotation, a one? I'm actually going to come to their defense. They didn't sign a one, but if you've looked at Tarek Skirbel's numbers this year, uh, his numbers are that of a number one. But then again, at the same time, we're talking about how Tarek Skirbel is your team's number one. So continue. <laughs> yeah, I think you just did my point for me. The Miggy contract is almost up. Although Miggy's hitting like 290 the last time I checked. I'll double check that. But I, I mean, Miggy... He's he's a beloved figure somehow. 
Astros in the ALS first place, 26 and 15, one and a half up on the Angels, Rangers, Mariners, A's rounding out that division there. The Astros this week had one of the most fascinating couple games. Two, 276. All right. I mean, look, the team in average RBIs on base percentage and hits. Look, I hate to kick Pujols when he's, you know, down, but think of what Pujols was doing at Maggie's age. And all of a sudden that contextualizes what Maggie's doing this year. Uh, Houston, we'll touch on this in a little bit, but. You didn't even need to make that against an anti-Pujols point. Miguel Cabrera is leading his baseball team in four out of the five key offensive metrics. All right, we'll make it a pro Miggy point then. Uh, Astros, fascinating week. We'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, and the Angels just keep chugging along. And if both guys stay healthy, the or I guess if all three guys stay healthy, I'll even say, the Judge Trout-Otani MVP race is going to be awesome. Otani won't win it. And you know what? I'll throw one more name in there. He's your boy. Stan is in 305. Stan is in 305. And I last I checked was leading the Yanks in RBIs. And please, last time I checked, I think he's leading the American League in RBIs. This is why we check. We'll, we'll touch on that in a second for the league leaders. Mets 27 and 15, seven games up on the Braves. Mets got hit with some brutal injury news on Max Scherzer. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, Braves, Phillies, Marlins, Nats rounding that division there. I mean, it's unbelievable that no other team in the NL East is even above 500 when you think of what the Braves had last season. And, I mean, the Braves won the World Series. Phillies had this whole offseason, and yet Mets have a seven-game lead in the division early. Mets have been the best team in that division. It's not really a question. And the Braves, yes, they won the World Series, but they weren't a great team. No, they got hot. They got hot at the right time. There was a classic get hot at the right time. And honestly, I looking at that lineup up and down, I would bet on them to do it again. All it takes. I mean, Ronald, Ronald. Or not not to necessarily win the World Series, but I could see them turning. I would I the that's your Bovada long shot of the week. Take the I, Braves to win the NLE. I think Ronald's already got eight steals. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. NL Central Brewers 26 to 14, four up on the Cardinals. Pirates, Cubs, Reds rounding out the division there. Um, I'm going to ask you the glass half full versus glass half empty approach. It's almost June. It's May 22nd. So we're a couple days from June. Call it nine, 10 days. How would you feel if you're a Pirates fan? Are you excited that your team is in third place? Or are you thinking to yourself, why are we in third place? We need the bottom to fall out and keep getting top picks in the draft. It's not an inspiring third place because the teams below them are so bad. Yeah, it's a 16 and 23 third place for context. I'd say you have to bottom out because this team is bad. Unless if you just let, I mean, it's still early enough that there's some hope. So I'd say we're not until it's bottom out. There are a lot of games to go. NL West, Dodgers in first, 27 and 12, Padres 26 and 14, Giants, D backs, Rockies rounding out the division there. It's amazing that the Dodgers are doing this. They have the second best record in baseball. Um, by percentage points over the Mets. And it just feels like they haven't even really like kicked it into full gear yet. You know what I mean? Like the well, pitching they, don't is, have, they don't have Kershaw. They don't have Kershaw. Bueller's been good, but not unbelievable. Urias has got roughed out a bit. And I mean, you look at that lineup. Mookie's gotten really hot in the past two weeks, but you know, Trey Turner's hitting like 280, 285. Justin Turner's hitting in the low twos. Will Smith hasn't even really played every day. Like that fearsome lineup hasn't really hit its stride yet, and they're still doing this. And they're a team that always makes a move if they can. Oh, yeah. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if at the deadline everybody's favorite Frankie Montas. He was drafted as a Dodger. I wouldn't be surprised if they're the team that goes out and grabs him. But it's on paper. What they don't need it. I guess just get another arm because why not? I just think ultimately, come postseason, Dustin May is going to be coming back from Tommy John surgery. Tony Gonsolin's been good, but if you can move him and May to the pen with the likes of Tyler Anderson, um, and then roll out a postseason rotation, assuming Kershaw's healthy, of Bueller, Urias, Kershaw, and Frankie Montas, pretty good. That's not bad. Pretty good. Uh, and I got to just keep showing love to the Padres. I mean, their pitching is finally all back, but they did, they did exactly what they needed to do and have continued to do. Tatis is out and they're keeping pace with the Dodgers. That's all you needed. The other thing with the Dodgers is they're a team I would say should go out and get Craig Kimbrough, but they already did that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they preemptively make these strikes, uh, moving to the league leaders. We got a Dodgers Dodger on top of our first leaderboard, Mookie leading baseball with. 38 runs scored hits leader Devers with 56 doubles. Um, I have a question for you. So it's looking, I would say in my mind, at least more and more increasingly like Bogarts may actually leave the Red Sox this year based on the story signing and just what I've read from Boston sports writers. So with that in mind, what is the floor for the Devers extension? Because there's just no way you could possibly lose both. He's a $300 million guy. Easy. Okay. And he's leading baseball with 56 hits. So. Good for Devers. What are the Bovada odds Bogarts ends up a Yankee? I would be so stoked, but I don't think they give big money to him and Judge in the same offseason. Depends how this year ends. If Judge leaves, different story, but hopefully we're not having that conversation. Uh, doubles leaders, Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Olson with 16 apiece. Paul Goldschmidt, man, the guy just ages like fine wine. I mean, 16 doubles, six homers, 29 ribbies, hitting 342, 409 on base. And again, if he plays a couple more years, he has to do something. I, I guess in your mind, does the Votto MVP push him that much more over the edge over Goldschmidt? I don't even know if Votto gets it. I mean, his career numbers are real, real solid. But I agree. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't have that standout moment. He doesn't have the hardware. Um, and he's almost he's almost like Again, I'm not saying he's had an Eddie Murray career, but he's like one of those type of players who's just solid year in and year out. Steady. Steady Paul? Doesn't roll off the tongue as much. <laughs> uh, um, triples leader, Jazz Chisholm, four triples this year. Home run leader, Judge, with 14. RBI leader, all right, so Stanton is second in the American League. Jose Ramirez is leading baseball with 37. Polar Bear Pete leading the uh, National League with 36 RBIs, Pete Alonzo. Walks leader Juan Soto with 33 walks. And this is where Soto is such an interesting player because he's hitting 245 this year, but he still has a 387 on base percentage. Steals leader Julio Rodriguez with 12. Uh, Cooney's at eight, four back. Don't sneak sleep on him to lead the league in steals. Taylor Ward leading baseball on average with 370. OBP leader also Ward 481. Slugging leader Taylor Ward 713. OPS leader, no surprise there, Taylor Ward 1.194. And for whatever reason, he's still available in your fantasy league. Go pick up Taylor Ward. There's some friendly advice for us. Uh, pitching he's not league. available. No, nor should he be. Uh, your wins and ERA leader are the same. And it's unbelievable that this guy's doing it. We said it last week. He was your American League Cy Young pick. I mean, Verlander's 6-1 and one with a 1-2-2 ERA. And just has no signs of slowing down, it looks like. It was great again last night. He's given up seven runs and eight starts. It's 
absolutely unbelievable how great he's looked. Um, and he looks like a guy, I mean, again, I don't think anyone will be Nolan Ryan, but the way Verlander looks now, he, he seems like he could pump heat till he's 42, 43 years old. He's 39 now. I mean, some people do come back from Tommy John surgery better. All right, hold on. I'm sending us down a rabbit hole right now. You don't usually see it this late in a career, but Verlander had an inner circle. I mean, Verlander – is Verlander a unanimous Hall of Fame candidate? He's a candidate for sure. I don't think I, – I just think unanimous. Like, I think Mo was the perfect storm. Uh, but I, what I was going to ask you is this. So let's say Verlander finishes this year with 15 wins, another nine wins this season. That puts I him think in- you're selling him short. I'm, I'm going very conservative. Let's okay. say another nine wins. He finishes the year with 241 wins going into his age 40 season. So that puts him 58 wins short of 300. Is it inconceivable that he could pitch long enough to be a 300-game winner the way he looks right now? I mean, if he only gets nine more wins, yes. What, if he only gets nine more wins, then he's probably something, something went wrong down the stretch. All right. What if we make it 14 more wins? He wins 20 games this year. Oh, then he'll probably stick around for 300. And then he gets that unanimous option. Yeah, then he's in the discussion. I agree. Saves leader Taylor Rogers with 17. What a pickup by the Padres he was. Robbie Ray, 54 and two-thirds, leading baseball in innings pitched. Strikeouts leader Dylan Cease with 67. And your whip leader so far, Justin Verlander, 0.72. As much as I love Nestor, uh, if the season ended today, Verlander, to me, would be the unanimous Cy Young. Uh, got a bunch of players of the week. It was a bit of a down news week, but first up, some love to Johnny Cueto. Uh, made his season debut, his 15th year in the big leagues last Monday at Kauffman Stadium. And uh, he pitched great, man. Six innings, no runs, seven strikeouts, two walks, only allowed two hits. His 73-game score was the best ever in a White Sox pitcher's debut. Uh, and he also joined Wilson Alvarez and Raviel Manzanillo as the only White Sox pitcher to strike out all three hitters they faced in the opening frame of their, as their first start as a White Sox. Cueto's back, and that makes me happy. I got nothing else to add. I love Johnny Cueto. We love him. He's one of those guys we'll always love. I hope everyone followed and takes my and just keeps betting on Johnny Cueto. We have to hammer, hammer, hammer Cueto. Um, Shout out to Martin Perez. Uh, And, again, you're going to hear the Astros a lot this week uh, in the Players of the Week. Very strange week for them. Uh, In Friday's 3-0 win, the Rangers lefty, uh, he only struck out five Astros, but he induced 13 swings and misses, induced a lot of soft contact uh, through a complete game shutout. It was the first game, complete game thrown by a Rangers pitcher since Kyle Gibson in 2020. Uh, that was also against the Astros in Minute Maid Park. Uh, and it was Perez's fourth career complete game and his first since throwing them a back-to-back start uh, way back in 2014. Martin Perez is just proof. If you're a lefty who could throw strikes, anything could happen. Yeah, you always have a job. Nick Pavetta also is in the players of the week for shutting down the Reds, uh, the Astros this week. Uh, he fired a two-hitter to beat the Astros 5-1 Wednesday at Fenway Park. Uh, it's amazing, too, that he threw a complete game because his start began Wednesday when he gave up a leadoff home run to Jose Altuve to cap a 10-pitch at bat. Uh, but then from there, 112 pitches, no walks, eight strikeouts, and the Red Sox won a series at Fenway for the first time this season. How unbelievable was it to make that statement? I don't know. They're kind of coming around. Slowly but surely. You know what it is? Ultimately, look, we knew the pitching was going to be eh. They're hitting, though. I mean, you look in that middle of the lineup, I think J.D., Devers, and Bogarts are all hitting above 330 right now. And that's how it's supposed to be. That'll win you some games for sure. A couple of three homer games this week. First one from Trevor Story. Um, at Fenway this week, 
He hit three home runs, four for four, five runs, seven RBIs, and one steal. All told, the stat cast distance on his home runs were 1,163 feet. Second three homer game of Story's career in the 35th and Red Sox history. Josh Rowe has the Diamondbacks third base. Was that his, didn't Story have a three homer game in his first game? It, I don't know if it was his very first game, but it was pretty close to around there. I'll do some research. Maybe it was opening day of his technical rookie season. I'll check. Shout out to Josh. Actually, hold that. I think I have a note on Story for another player. Uh, Josh Rojas, Diamondbacks third baseman. He had yet to hit a home run this season, but hit three of them in Friday's 10-6 win over the Cubs. 13th player to accomplish defeat. He homered off Kyle Hendricks, Michael, two off of Kyle Hendricks, one off of Michael Givens. And he is the second player in D-backs history to tally his first three home runs of a season in the same game, joining a Rubio Durazo in 2002. David Peralta homered twice and Chicago's Christopher Morrell and Yidemir Vargas went back-to-back in the seventh. And by the final out, the D-backs and Cubs hit 11 home runs combined. Tying the most, tying the record for the most home runs in a game at Wrigley Field. A lot of home runs this week, man. Uh, so Brian Severn, another Rocky, big news this week. Uh, more than 22,000 players have appeared in a Major League Baseball game, and there are very few who can say they accomplished something no other player has. Brian Severn can now say that. Um, he had two two-run homers for his first two career hits to help the Rockies beat the Mets 11-3 in the second game of a doubleheader last night. The performance made him the only player in MLB history to have two multi-home multi-run homers in the same game for his first career, two career hits, and it made him only the second player in franchise history to hit home runs for each of his first two MLB hits, joining Trevor Story, who did so in 2016. So that was my story note. Not what we were looking for. Yeah, I don't see it, but Story Story had seven homers in his first six games. He was unbelievable as a rookie. Out the gate, he was incredible. So the Astros, the bats got silenced a bit, but that is because earlier in the week on Tuesday, before Pavetta and Martin Perez faced them, uh, Tuesday's 13-4 win over the Red Sox, they tagged Nate Evaldi for five home runs in the second inning to give the club a 9-1 lead. They finished the night with 15 hits and were responsible for six of the game's eight home runs. Those five home runs in one inning tied a major league record, and Nate Evaldi's ERA is now a balloon. Yeah, that one bad start will get you. Shout out to the Diaz brothers, Edwin Diaz and Alexis Diaz. Not many people might know that Edwin Diaz's brother Alexis is one of the closers on the Reds now, uh, but they are now the third pair of siblings to have saves on the same day, joining uh, Tim and Todd Worrell and Ravello and Josias Manzanillo uh, in baseball history. Got to be cool if you're Diaz's parents out there uh, to not only have two kids in the bigs, but to have them record saves on the same day. Memorable moment there. I talked about how the Orioles are on the way. Uh, they hit walk-off home runs in back-to-back games. They hit one Wednesday against the Yankees. Um, and then Thursday night – or, sorry, Friday night, uh, they had a marathon 8-6 victory over Tampa Bay, which not only ended its 15-game losing streak to the Rays, um, but in two days they had two walk-off homers against the two top teams in the division. For a rebuilding team, that could be the high point of the season and would not be a terrible one. I mean, th- their high point, they go as far as – Rushman. Rushman is the pulse of that team going forward. If he's good, it's a positive. If he's bad, it's a negative. Yep. I'm hundred percent with you there. And got to give a shout out to King Albert. You know, we love Albert. Uh, he had two hits in the Mets 11, four win over his Cardinals. Uh, but with those first two hits against Max Scherzer, he increased his hit total to 3,314 to pass Eddie Collins for 10th all time. It's Albert's world. We're just living in it, man. Nothing, nothing on pools there. You just know. I mean, he's the machine. He's the machine for a reason. 
And everything he does now, it's historic in some way. It's, when you get to this point, everything you do is is a record of moving up a list. Good for him. And last but certainly not least, I want to give a shout out to an Iowa-Indiana baseball game that happened this past week. Big Ten rivals. And when they met in football this year, uh, they scored a combined 40 points. Uh, this week, uh, despite falling behind 13-2 after three innings, Iowa stormed back at home with 28 runs over the final five innings for a 30-16 to victory. The game had 42 hits, 17 of which went for extra bases, and nine home runs. Iowa's 30 runs are the second most in a single game of program history and the most ever in one of their Big Ten games. Uh, star, star of the game was Kyle Huxorf. Uh, He was 6-for-7, 12 RBIs, and is the first Big Ten player to collect six hits in a game since 2010. That's a lot of runs, dude. It's like our favorite game. We went to the Phillies-Cubs one, but better. I mean, neither of those – Indiana, to defend Indiana's football, Indiana's never been a football school. So they're not supposed to be scoring. I like that that, I was, I like that, that was your spin zone on this. Uh, and Iowa's defense – I mean, Kirk Ferentz usually has a defense doing something. Defense, tight end, and lineman. Yeah, just a crazy game. I might need to go back and watch the replay. Um, this week, you know, it, it's not very often that we will cover – sports journalist news, but the baseball community lost one of the best this year. Uh, when Roger Angle, uh, he passed away at the age of 101. Um, he was a writer, baseball writer for the New Yorker. So took a very different path into the baseball world than a lot of journalists that we read uh, throughout the years. But in 2014, he became the first recipient of the BBWAA Career Excellence Award. Uh, and he, or sorry, he was the first recipient who never covered a beat or wrote columns full-time for a daily newspaper. Um, he's part of an exhibit in the hall's library and some of angles articles, they ranged from, you know, reading about Cincinnati's big red machine, the Yankees red Sox rivalry. He wrote these unbelievable long form pieces that captured fans imaginations. You know, there were cliche free perspectives of the game because again, he wasn't tied to any one particular team. Uh, he started working at the New Yorker in 1944 and became a fiction editor in 1956. Uh, all told he published 11 books, uh, five of which included baseball uh, five of which were anthologies about baseball, which included the summer game, five seasons, late innings, season ticket, and what's more around the park. Uh, and two of those reached the New York Times bestseller. He was dubbed baseball's poet laureate who wrote essays about the sport. Uh, he absolutely loathed both terms. Um, since, again, he wasn't sitting in an ivory tower, but he was always at the games, you know, writing in person. Uh, he was always at spring training every year looking for a fresh perspective. Uh, and two of his finest compositions, which I couldn't recommend more, were revealing profiles of pitchers with private lives. Uh, Steve Blass and Bob Gibson talked with Steve Blass about the yips and his ability or his lack of ability to throw strikes midway through his career. Uh, and he invited he was invited into Bob Gibson's home in Nebraska, spoke very frankly about with Angle about the game that he dominated in his career. And Angle said when the Hall of Fame uh, honored him, he said, I'm very, very happy. I'm stunned, very touched, very grateful. Uh, I started covering baseball in 1962. Uh, I mean, this to me is an all-time quote when he was asked why the New York Mets, who compiled an abysmal 40-120 record in their inaugural season, had rabid fan enthusiasm, uh, way more than the Yankees at the time. And he said, there is more Met than Yankee in every one of us. Uh, in his piece, The Interior Stadium, he presented a impossible yet intoxicating notion saying, since baseball time is measured only in outs, all you have to do is succeed utterly. Keep hitting, keep the rally alive, and you have defeated time. You will remain forever young. Uh, have you ever gotten the chance to read any of Roger Angle's pieces? Nope. I would really highly recommend. Um, I want to read the Gibson one. I think Gibson is somehow under. He's an underappreciated all-time reader. 
I think at this point in his career, the guy that I would compare Angle to the most in terms of his storytelling would be reading Peter Gammons. Um, just, you know, through that looking lens. But Angle was doing that his entire career. Uh, yeah, and he's one of those guys where, you know, if you ask people, especially around like my dad's age, who the best baseball writer of all time, Angle will be right up there. Uh, David Cohn said it best. You know, he helped Coney write a book when, you know, Coney was, you know, kind of going through some shit times in his lives. And Coney on the broadcast said yesterday, you know, my favorite part about Roger Angle was that at 94 years old, he had a new girlfriend. Sounds like a one of a kind guy. So Roger Angle, 101 years old, um, great baseball career. And again, if you haven't had the chance to read it, would highly recommend. Um, but Roger Angle covered baseball forever would probably be covering baseball's future um, if he was still alive to do so. But the future arrived in Baltimore this past week. Uh, Adley Rushman was called up yesterday prior to Saturday's 6-1 loss to the Rays at Camden Yards uh, by the Orioles. But three years after he was drafted, baseball's number one prospect, starting catcher, uh, has arrived in the show, and he received applause for everything. His announcement in the starting lineup, his first time as a batter, uh, first time he was announced as a batter, his first put out behind the plate and his first strikeout. Uh, but his first career big league hit was a triple in the seventh inning. Uh, he was had one of the Orioles two extra base hits in the game when he lifted a changeup uh, from Ralph Garza Jr. to the right field corner. He became the first catcher to triple for his first hit since Brad Davis of the Marlins in July 2010. And he joined Manny Machado and Matt Wieters, uh, probably the two most hyped prospects in Orioles history prior to Rushman. Uh, and all three tripled for their first major league hit. I saw Adley. It seems like he is handling everything perfectly tip the helmet to the crowd. Um, and again, you know, we said, we basically said everything we said about Adley about Matt Weeders 15 or so years ago. Um, but it seems yeah. like, it, it seems like if all goes well, this guy's going to be the real deal and will not only be a force behind the plate in baseball for the foreseeable future, but will be the guy who hopefully leads the Orioles back to Providence. That's what it looks like. I, my whole thing is what I said at the top where it's uh, you're on your, they had an issue. I didn't realize I had an, reissued Messina's number so they're all in on this kid and you know root for, root for the best because baltimore is a real good baseball town and that stadium's awesome so for my want, money for my money my favorite stadium in baseball and i know so I'm i hope they, some big ones but i hope they i hope they can be i like the yankees orioles rivalry even in the early part of the 2010s the orioles were good that of every playoff series i have been to in person that yankees orioles 2012 alds was one of the craziest postseason series in any sports that I've ever been a part of. That was the Raul series. Raul is cool. That was also the coldest baseball game I've ever been to. I think I was at game four, and it was absolutely miserable. I believe it. That, that uh, I would say a little known fact, but I feel like that postseason run was the effective end of CC as an ace also. Cause he threw so many pitches against Baltimore to get us in against the Tigers. And by the time he faced the Tigers in the ALCS, he just had nothing left. I mean, that's when we lost Jeter. Yeah. Jeez. Really, really depressing postseason run. I guess if we go back and look at it, I mean, that was the end of that Oh nine core having any shot. That was the last shot for that Oh nine core. Yeah. Cause I guess by 15, when we were the plucky wildcard team, everyone was gone. Like A Rod, it was Cano's last gasp. A Rod was doing whatever the hell A Rod was doing. Like Jeter got hurt. It just wasn't meant to be. 
It's funny. I was actually just thinking when you mentioned whatever A-Rod was doing in that series, that was actually the series that Raul pinch hit for him multiple times. Jeez. What a fascinating footnote in baseball history. Aside from the fact that Raul delivered multiple times. But yeah, in the ninth inning in one of those games, Raul pinch hit for A-Rod. I mean, A-Rod was also dropped to seven in a playoff order in like 05, I want to say. I feel like it was that 06 series against the Tigers. I think he hit eighth. Yeah. I mean, wild. Is Raul Banez one of the sneakiest, most beloved one-year Yankees that we've had? Maybe just I love him. He might. I mean, what's not to love about what he did that year? Nothing. It was incredible. I'll give him my vote, too. Right. I also can't think of many other people. There you go. All right. Got some uh, arbitration updates. Uh, Chris Bassett and the Mets avoided arbitration by agreeing to a one-year $8.65 million contract this year. Uh, Bassett was looking for 8.65. The Mets countered, or sorry, Bassett was looking for nine. The Mets countered at 8.3. So this was a pretty strong middle ground there. Uh, there's also a $19 million mutual option for 2023. Uh, since Bassett will be 34 on opening day, he will likely opt out, uh, to score the first and maybe last multi-year payday of his career rather than just take the one-year deal. Bassett has been great for the Mets this year at this point of their vaunted rotation. He's kind of the last man standing. Uh, if Bassett does opt out, given that he's going to be 34, what does that contract look like in your opinion? He might get like a three for 51. I was going to say three for like the 51 to 54 range. It's like probably lesser AAV, but give him the long-term security. I mean, $50 million to play baseball. You could certainly do a whole lot worse. Uh, the Marlins won their hearing against Pablo Lopez. Lopez was seeking $3 million. Uh, the Marlins were seeking $2.45 million, and the judge ruled in favor of the Marlins. I mean, Lopez – yeah, I mean, Lopez has a 1.57 ERA this year. He's been so dominant. He's finally been healthy. And we've talked about it with arbitration. You just hit the nail on the head. It's just pay the guy. You're arguing over – I mean, again, $500,000 for me and you is obviously a life-changing amount of money. But for Major League Baseball teams, just keep your guys happy because as much as we don't like to think so, they are 100% going to remember this shit come free agency. They have to, unless if he's just in love with living in Miami, which does happen. No, it's a definite possibility. Um, and last but not least, John Means. Uh, he's out for the year with Tommy John surgery, but he avoided arbitration with a two-year $5.925 million contract. I learned $2.95 million this year, $2.975 million next year. Uh, Means wanted 3.1. The Orioles submitted at 2.7. This not only locks in a salary for this year, but again, given he's going to be out just about all of next year as well with Tommy John surgery. Maybe not all of next year, but a good chunk of it. Uh, he locks in some financial security. Seems fair for both sides. That's the positive that he'll remember in free agency. Correct. Correct. All right. Let's talk about this Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson thing. So I was at the game yesterday, as I said, and all of a sudden, Grandal and Josh Donaldson, when Don, when the, there's Monty Grandal and Josh Donaldson, when Donaldson's up at the plate, they just start chirping each other. The bench is clear. It's one of our favorite things when the relievers are hauling ass from the dugout. It's always hilarious to watch. And nobody really knew what the fuck was going on, to be honest. And what happened was, I said it was in the third inning. It was actually in the fifth inning. Uh, Donaldson acknowledged that twice during the game, he referred to White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson as Jackie, claiming he was referring to a Sports Illustrated interview in 2019 in which Anderson, who was black, said he feels like today's Jackie Robinson. 
Anderson took offense later saying he made a disrespectful comment. He basically tried to call me Jackie Robinson. Like, what's up, Jackie? I don't play like that. I don't need to play at all. I wasn't really bothering anyone today, uh, but he made the comment and it was disrespectful. Tensions between Anderson and Donaldson have already been high this season. May 13th last week or last week, two weeks ago, whatever. I don't know what the calendar is. Uh, the bench is cleared after Anderson shoved Donaldson following a first inning play at third base. Donaldson said he intended for his comment to neutralize that animosity. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. He said, I took responsibility for the tag today. I was just trying to diffuse it, make it light saying, Hey, we're not trying to start any brawls or anything like that. Obviously he deemed it disrespectful. And look, if he did, I apologize. That's not what I was trying to do. Uh, you know, Donaldson, he said he made the comment while on base in the second inning, Anderson and Donaldson then exchanged words in the third and were promptly separated. Anderson told his teammates what Donaldson said, which sparked the situation between him and Yasmani Grandal when Donaldson came to bat in the fifth. Donaldson said they talked about it as a team and Grandel tried to confront me. I don't know what he was talking about at the beginning. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know what you said. I said, are you referring to me calling him Jackie? I thought that was a joke between he and I, because we've talked about it before. He's called himself Jackie Robinson. That's why I thought it was funny between us. The classic thing is you have old white guy, Tony LaRusse saying that Donaldson made a racist comment. And that's all I'm going to say. Aaron Boone said he heard that the White Sox were upset and planned to speak to his players about the situation saying, we just got to stop the drawing back and this forth. This doesn't feel like an adult we're reading about adults. I agree. But what do you make of this whole situation? Well, I mean, I'll take, I'll put my DEI cap on and say, what? Tim Anderson shouldn't call himself today's Jackie Robinson. That's outright, that's ridiculous. There is no comp to Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, there is no modern Jackie Robinson. There will never be. The, the context of that was because he he thought that by having to be the guy who makes baseball fun, he's like the modern day Jackie Robinson. That's ridiculous. That was oh, it makes it even worse. I agree. That was stupid. So he shouldn't have done that. Then if he and Donaldson had joked about it before, that makes it kind of all right. If Donaldson just said, "Hey Jackie," if there was anything beyond it, then it's different. If that joke, if that had been a joke between them. Once you allow something to be a joke, you've opened the door. You can't close it. You can't close it. I, so, think, this, I think this is just going to be a big situation of like hearsay. He said this. He said that. So if, if I mean, it's a situation where if either side is telling the truth, you got to believe them, but there's discrepancies. So whoever's telling the truth is right. Yeah, I just think optics-wise, it's something you and I are a big fan of. The optics-wise, Donaldson. The optics of Josh Donaldson being a Midwestern white guy with a mohawk calling a young black player Jackie are bad, even if what he's saying is true. So, also, Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson likes to start shit. Like, Tim Anderson is, like, this is the wrong takeaway from this, but Tim Anderson... I don't know. Like Tim Anderson, I, I think Tim Anderson calling himself today's Jackie Robinson is the worst thing that was said. Yeah, Tim Anderson to me, I respect him. I think he's an unbelievable baseball player. I mean, he's, I mean, he's hitting, hitting 350. He's hitting 350. It just seems like like he's aware of how exciting he is and fun and young. And it just feels like every time we talk about Tim Anderson, it's for the wrong reasons. And that sucks. But that is also, I mean, but knowing Tim Anderson. The way I claim to, he he is the type of guy to homer today. Oh, I agree. No, I think that's a great play. So we'll see if there's any fallout there. I would not be surprised if Donaldson gets plunked if he plays in the doubleheader. Uh, we'll give an update on that next week. Justin Upton was very surprised. I love to Justin Upton. 
was very surprised to wake up this morning and see that he resurfaced with a major league deal, signing a one-year major league contract with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, the Mar Mariners will cover 550 grand, while the Angels will cover the remainder of his uh, $28 million salary that they are $28 million salary that they are on the hook for this season when they released him. Jeez. Over the past three seasons, up to that's a left. lot of money to owe Justin Upton. So that, much money. I know that's right, but holy shit. Past three seasons with the Angels, Donaldson and it, or Donaldson Upton and hit 211, 299, 414 with 38 homers over 784 plate appearances. 38 homers, excuse me. Uh, he's been almost exactly a replacement level player, generating 0.1 fan graph for us since the start of the 2019 season. Uh, and look, they they released him. For, the irony is they released him to have Joe Adele play, and then Joe Adele got sent down. Uh, so really, Justin Upton getting released facilitated Taylor Ward apparently becoming the best hitter in baseball. Uh, but again, look for the Mariners for 550 grand. Uh, what's the harm here? Hanniger's on the injured list. Well, Kyle Lewis is he hurt. Kalenic. I was gonna say Kalenic is in the minors. Jesse Winker hasn't really hit great, to be honest. So look, if nothing else, Upton's a vet veteran. He's been in some good locker rooms. Uh, and who knows? Maybe he's got some gas left in the tank. But uh, how do he had a good spring? How soon until me and you to add to our obscure shirts collection or the Justin Upton Mariners t-shirt jersey? Does he have a fun number up there? It depends on his number. That I don't know yet. Like, if they give him number 10, I'm like, eh. But if they like, Justin Upton, like, 80, I don't know, like 60. If, they, if it's Justin Upton 69, they're selling out immediately. So we got to be on that. Matt Harvey, a favorite of ours. Oh, uh, boy. He was, well, we'll just look. We're going to tell this one as it is. Hey, this is a tough, you said he's a favorite of ours, and now you're about to go into why he's suspended. Got suspended for 60 games for participating in the distribution of a prohibited drug of abuse in violation of the Major League Baseball Joint Drug Prevention and Treatment Program. Suspension began retroactively to April 29th, so he will be eligible to return in late June. He's not on a 40-man roster currently, and again, he was called to the uh, stand in the trial of Eric Kay, uh, who was convicted for providing the fentanyl that resulted in the death of Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs. The suspension was basically just for admitting that he gave Skaggs a controlled substance. Uh, and that explained why none of the other players who testified had been suspended. Again, they used the substance, but Harvey distributed it, uh, which is also illegal, but that's all separate conversation. Um, look, I, this. Sucks yeah, but no, but his testimony, he got, he was granted immunity from the United States penal system, but not major league baseball. Yeah. This sucks for Harvey, but this seems right to me. I mean, you had to suspend him for. You had to do something. I mean, the retroactive bit was nice for Harvey's sake. But yeah, I don't know. Harvey has as much as we love the guy and lose money on him all the time. He, uh, his time as a major league baseball pitcher may have come and gone. Yep. At this point, you just hope that this is sort of the wake up call where he just gets the help that he needs as a human being. I mean, I think he actually already hit that bottom point from Alabama. He actually seemed like he was kind of a likes guy in Kansas City and or, and in Baltimore. So he actually seems to have gotten things turned around from a personal standpoint. It's the uh, baseball where he's now severely lacking. And I'm going to take a shot at Trevor Bauer right now because he was posting all over social media of, oh, how could Harvey only get 60 games for distributing drugs? And, you know, I got this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, don't make the death of a fellow member of your pitching fraternity about you. It's never, yeah, but Bauer, I mean, Bauer's done. Bauer's done. He just doesn't get it. It's like, even when I try to come up with like some defense for Bauer, it's like, okay, you are just very clearly not a good person. 
I mean, Bauer's probably going to get. I I still think he wins the appeal when it happens. He's just not going to. No team is signing him. He's persona non grata. I think for the rest of his career, no one's going to want to deal with the fallout from this. No. All right, let's talk injuries. The biggest of which is Max Scherzer had an MRI. Uh, and that revealed Thursday that he suffered a moderate to high grade internal oblique strain is expected to miss and is expected to miss six to eight weeks. He joins Jacob deGrom as co-ace and Tyler Meagle, uh, both on the injured list. Again, the Mets are still, I think we said, what, 27 and 15. Uh, they are in first place in the National League East. Uh, and we knew Scherzer was hurt. Scherzer's one of those guys where he's going to pitch until he can't pitch anymore. But when he's hurt, you know, immediately – 2019 World Series, he rolled out of bed with his neck injury. He said, I can't pitch in game five. Uh, and when he threw a pitch to Albert Pujols, uh, he threw a slider and he felt the zing down the side. And he looked at the training staff and could see cleanly stating, saying, I'm done. Uh, so, again, it's like, look, as much as I love to dump on the Mets, Scherzer not pitching just sucks as a baseball fan, plain and simple. And what do you think? I mean, are the Mets going to be able to survive this? You lost the two co-aces. Meagle looked great yeah. early on. Uh, you still, all that said, have Chris Bassett, Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, David Peterson. I mean, again, not arms that jump like the off. Person, the, the person that needs to step up most for the Mets now, it's not a pitcher. It's Mets fit. It's Lindor. Got to be. He's got to lead this team. Pete's like, doing his job. Mark Connor, who they signed, has been great. Lindor needs to be a superstar. But he needs to be – He, I think his contract is – his contract – it won't matter as much in a non-cap league with the billionaire Steve doing it. But Lindor on the season is hitting 233. Lindor since getting to New York has not been the Lindor we saw in Cleveland. He's he's been an average major league shortstop. Yeah, I saw some tweet that it was like over his first 162 games with the Mets, he was worth like 5.3 fangraph war. And this is like the classic, I get the numbers support that, but we watch the games. It's like he has not been – he's not been a franchise player. All right. So, like again, we said, it, well, we said it going into last offseason. If Lindor was the free agent last offseason, knowing what Correa got, knowing what Story got, knowing what Seager got, what's Lindor's contract based off his 2021? Somebody still probably would have given him $200 million, but – But not three. Not three. Oh, but he doesn't sniff the 341 that he got. Uh, so all that say, let's say Scherzer's out. Let's say conservatively speaking, sure there's going to be out three months because the six to eight weeks, and then he has to start throwing again. So three months from today is August twenty second. August twenty second. What is the Mets' record, assuming they don't have Scherzer or Degrom? They're about a five hundred team. They always suck in June anyway. So you just think this this the June swoon will just be capitalized by this for the Mets? I agree. I mean, I can see the Mets having like a world is like a like a seven and twenty month in June. So maybe Frankie Montas to the Mets. I was thinking that, but the Mets have given up a lot of prospects. That's true. They don't have a ton left in light of the past couple of years. Other injury news. This was a big injury week in, across Major League Baseball. Uh, Bryce Harper, he got the injection in his elbow, and they officially said he should not be able to throw for at least six weeks. Uh, so at least he's got some clarity there. But, you know, he could still hit, and he's in the crap out of the ball. Kershaw, 15-day injured list. He landed a week ago, and it doesn't seem his return is Im- imminent. Uh, Dave Roberts said on Sirius XM earlier this week that Kershaw was still likely a couple weeks away from throwing a bullpen session. Bryce is our resident Kershaw fan. How many red flags is this? Three on a scale of one to five. Okay. So 60%. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, he was fielding a ground ball or running towards first base earlier this week. And he went straight up down on the field. They had to uh, cart him off. 
looked like a torn Achilles. Uh, but he said after hearing a large pop from his leg that, um, there were no, there were only some aggravated tendons and ligaments around the ex- ankle and foot, but no torn Achilles. The tendons fine. So Odorizzi will probably be out a couple of weeks, but that was a best case scenario there for the Astros. Brandon Lowe, the Rays announced last week that he's on the injured list due to lower back discomfort. Uh, he has a stress reaction in his back, and he will be shut down from all baseball activity for the next three weeks before he's reevaluated. Uh, again, the Rays love their platoons, their systems, yada yada yada. Lowe was one of the few everyday players, so stay tuned on that. Antonio Sanzatello for the Rockies, 15-day injury list because of a low back strain. Uh, back, Yes, back strain. Willie Adamas, 10-day injury list with a high ankle sprain, retroactive to May 16th. Uh, for the Yankees, Luis Heel made some good spot starts for the team last year. He's undergoing Tommy John surgery. Not sure we will see when we will see him again. Chad Green, the Yankees announced that uh, he's been placed on the 15-day injury list with a right elbow strain. Uh, Green left the start early um, on Friday. He hasn't looked great so far. So maybe that is the cause for concern there. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, 15-day injured list with a left ribcage strain. Uh, that's retroactive to May 19th. Dalton Jeffries, the 26-year-old writer for the uh, righty for the A's, has been diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome. That's what ended Matt Harvey's career effectively, so we will see if Jeffries can come back there. Uh, the interesting injury uh, that I wanted to talk about is that Twins right-hander Chris Paddock underwent Tommy John surgery on his right elbow Wednesday morning. It's the second Tommy John surgery for the 26-year-old. He got his first in 2016. The latest was performed in Dallas. And I know usually for trades, you know, we have to go back, I guess go back or go forward a couple years in order to fully reevaluate this trade. But Chris Paddock more or less got traded straight up for Taylor Rogers. Uh, And Taylor Rogers, as we said earlier in the show, is leading baseball with 16 saves. Paddock made a handful of starts for the Twins and now is out for Tommy John surgery. Um, Is it too early to say that that trade was a massive, massive heist for the Padres, knowing that Paddock won't pitch for a good chunk in the next two years uh, and that the Padres now on the flip side have what's, I wouldn't say a lockdown closer just because of how Rogers pitched, but the pitcher is leading baseball in saves. I really liked this trade at the time for the Twins. Yeah, I, I thought it was the trade. It was the classic trade of you need this, we need that. You have a surplus of this, we have a surplus of that. This makes sense. Let's make a trade. So from that standpoint, I think it's still a win-win. But yeah, I mean, anytime the guy gets hurt, you can't really call the trade a win. You got to just bite your tongue there. Um, all right, I got some tweets of the week. Uh, the first is a trivia question that I saw on the Yes Network that I wanted to ask you. Big Orioles podcast for us today. From 2013 to 2016, an Oriole led the league in home runs every year. Can you name those players? Davis, Trumbo, Davis, Cruz. Okay, no hesitation. That is correct. Look at you. Look at you go. Baltimore is a super fan. Uh, did you say Stevie Aoki's first pitch at Fenway Park this week? Missed that one. Look it up right now, and I'm going to talk through it. Like, look it up while we're talking. It might It rivals 50 Cent and John Wall. It's that bad. John Steve Aoki's first pitch, dude, was like an EFIS pitch that never came down. If there was no net, it would be 10 rows deep into the stands. I think that's how his his conscience is supposed to be. You just get high, 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 high and never come down? Yeah, I think that's his MO. I just saw a movie with Steve Aoki. What did I watch? Senior year on Netflix. Good, terrible Netflix comedy. Sounds good to me. All right. You watch this pitch yet? It's taking a while to get there. It's coming. 
All right, I'll keep going. Uh, did you see the story that the Yankees cut former third-round pick Jake Sanford after he allegedly stole bats and gloves for teammates and tried to sell them online uh, and also for allegedly scamming fans, selling autographed equipment, and never delivering them? That's a that's bad. That's like you are out of baseball forever, bad. That's just you're in the bad guy Hall of Fame. Like, like s- stealing from anybody is bad. Stealing from your teammates in the locker room. Like, yeah, you hit, you just said that perfectly. You're just a scumbag. It's like – that's so fucked. Like that's gross. I good. Thank God, I'm happy we cut him. Yep. Good. Good to get rid stealing of. Him. Is ne- stealing is stealing. Stealing. Stealing is pathetic. From ESPN stats and info, Freddie Peralta's season high ten strikeouts was the seventh time a Brewers pitcher has had ten strikeouts in a game this season. No other team has more than three from its pitchers. If the Brewers rotation could just stay right, I really think they could sneakily come out of the National League. That was our. We thought that was the slam dunk manager of the year. We thought Council winning NL Manager of the Year was probably the easiest of the Big Four awards to go to. Yankees twenty six and nine are the Yankees this year were twenty six and nine or better through thirty five games for the fifth time in franchise history, uh, and it was the first time since nineteen ninety eight when they won the World Series. No pressure, Yanks. Just keep it up. Uh, another Yankee fun fact: This one's from Katie Sharp. Mike King is the first pitcher in MLB history to have his first 12 games of the season where he allowed uh, fewer than five walks and 20 hits and five earned runs and had at least 35 strikeouts. Got a little bit roughed up yesterday, but King has been an absolute revelation for the Yankees so far. Some Cubs news. Um, The Cubs this week had a player toss a hitless outing with five plus strikeouts in his debut in Brandon Hughes and another home player Homer in their debut in Christopher Morrell. No other teammate duo in the modern era has achieved those feats in their MLB debuts in the same season let alone the same game. Uh, Brandon Hughes is also the first pitcher in the modern era to get the first five-plus outs of his major league debut uh, via strikeout. Um, and this is a crazy one. The Cubs have outscored their opponents at the time of this tweet 48-6 uh, and six in their five home wins this year. That's the best run differential by any MLB team over their first at five home wins of the season since the New York Giants in 1893. Too bad. Cubs are very bad. The yeah. Cubs are bad. They're just not very good. If they don't blow you out, they're going to – I mean, they blew one yesterday. Yeah, they're just not very good. Uh, the Orioles are now 0-6 when Anthony Santander hits multiple home runs in the game. The Cubs game was so was bad, was so lonely bad yesterday. I had texted you about a parlay I threw on Bavada and neglected to include the Cubs in it because they were up 4-1 at the time of the text. So I'd already counted them as having won that game. It happens. Did you watch the first pitch video yet? Yeah, it was bad. But I <laughs> it, like it because it was at least in a straight line. Yeah, you just needed to bring it down. There was the 12, no six. Yeah, I mean, he kind of, you see what he's doing. He released too early. That one's easier to diagnose than the uh, John Wall. So Anthony Santander is the only player in MLB history to lose the first six multi-home run games of his career. Sad Orioles stat. Uh, this is from Jason Stark. The Big Bruce. Orioles guy. The Braves this week did something you don't see much. They led entering the bottom of the 9th, 10th, and 11th and still lost. Yeah, that's that. No, I think you'll see that more and more with the runner on starting with the runner on second. Yeah, there'll be some more tomfoolery there. There was, wasn't there something crazy with that in a Yanks Royals game last year where we led and just kept blowing it? Do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. I something do. Something along those lines. Uh, we're going to mention two Cardinals Hall of Famers here. This is from Jim Passan. Uh, Albert Pools is the oldest Cardinals player to steal a base since Stan Musial. Stan the man, Albert the machine, the man of the machine. That sounds 
What is the outfit now? You and I like karma and optics, and this was from Michael Duarte. Zach Davies entered the game at Dodger Stadium this week with a 1.06 ERA. His now ex-wife posted a lengthy Instagram statement about him cheating on her and ghosting her. He gave up five runs in four innings today. Karma. It's a tough one. It's not great, but, you know, karma, karma reigns supreme. Uh, I just thought you'd appreciate this tweet. Just I really Ver- did. Justin Verlander's been around so long that the first three MLB batters he faced were Grady Sizemore, Coco Crisp, and Travis Hafner. And as you mentioned, he has allowed seven earned runs and eight starts this year. The, um, those, that is the one Cleveland sports team that doesn't get brought up enough. The 07 Cleveland Indians team should have won the World Series, without a doubt. They actually wrote about that in The Athletic this past week, funny enough. What they said that they were three one on a Boston team that was all right, and they would have any either Cleveland would have swept Colorado also. They were a juggernaut. They were a juggernaut. I, they had, I think they it was the year before Cliff Lee got really good. No, but he was still good. He won the side the next year, but Cliff Lee that year was still. Never mind. Ignore me. CC won the Cy Young and Roberto Hernandez won 19 games. The pitching was, I'm going to be honest, a little suspect. That was Fausto Carmona at the time. Yeah. The pitching was a little suspect, but V-Mart had 25 homers, 114 RBIs, hit 301. Johnny Peralta, 21 homers, 72 ribbies. Johnny. Grady Sizemore was doing Grady Sizemore things. Travis Hafner was balling out. They had tr- a lot of funny names on this team, man. That team had Kenny Lofton, Trot Nixon. Wow. Big Roy's guy. Shinsu Chu was a rookie that year. But, yeah, I think that was the year for them. I mean, between that and the, uh, and the Cubs World Series, a lot of what-ifs. A lot of blown 3-1 leads in Cleveland. Yeah, but they got – they'll tell you it's all worth it because LeBron blocked Iguodala. Exactly. And that was another three blown 3-1 lead that went through Cleveland. And my last tweet to wrap up the week, this is from John Foley on May 20th. The Phillies heading into May 20th were 10-10 and 10 in their last 20 games. 20 and 25 in their last 50 games and 100 and 100 in their last 200 games. That is absurd. Uh, Boston Celtics were in a very similar situation recently. The, or, uh, the before they turned it around this year. I was going to say, I think the difference is, though, the Celtics have been in the playoffs. Ooh, it's a low blow. I just call it like I see it. That's it for this week's show. Uh, we got a fun Memorial Day plan. We're going to. Uh, Go see Tim, Tim McGraw Friday, hang with my aunt and her niece or, or her kid. Her kid, my cousin, my parents' niece, Tatum. I gave her all the descriptors. My kid, my cousin, parents' niece. Uh, so that'll be a good time. Anything else you got uh, for the week of Memorial Day? Yeah, you know, it's going to be crowded venues. Uh, mask up, get, make sure you're vaccinated. Uh, you know, it's getting to eat. Just because it's hot doesn't mean COVID's going away. And, uh, no, it's true. My dad actually is COVID right now. So, Mike, hoping you're feeling better. Uh, mine will be, I mean, look, Memorial Day weekend's a great weekend. We have Monday off. Um, the weather will hopefully be beautiful. But, you know, my, my last message will be, you know, don't lose sight of what Memorial Day is actually about. Take a few minutes and take that in. I don't like to be the political guy ever, but it's called Memorial Day for a reason. At least on Monday, if there's a parade, go do a salute, you know, pay tribute to the troops. And uh, all in all, just have a very good holiday week. And it's going to be a hot one. So stay hydrated, especially today. 85 and sunny in the city. With Bryce Holden, my name is Jason Midorski. 
This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great one.